Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Strive for Strength podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Strample, otherwise known as Fears to Fit, and I am a fitness and business enthusiast, and I'm bringing you the stories of not only myself, but other incredible human beings to help educate you on all things personal development, business, health, and mindset, so that as millennials, we can mobilize our generation and rise. So on today's episode, I have an absolutely incredible guest. Her name is Marie Wold, and I've been following her on Instagram for over three years, and she's had such an incredible journey with her health. And I'm actually really excited because one of the things that she's really been able to focus on as of recently is her hormonal health, as well as her gut and digestive health. And this is actually something that I've focused on myself as well. Um, And with doing that, one of the big changes that I've actually made is within the supplements that I take. So one big change I made was actually switching from a whey protein powder to a vegan protein powder. And the vegan protein powder of my choice is Ghost Lifestyle. It is absolutely incredible. Their flavor is peanut butter cereal milk. So if you need to hear any more, um, I think we're all said and done there. But it's made such a huge difference in my digestion. It's made such a big impact on honestly just how I feel and how my body really responds to things. So if you guys are interested in going ahead and giving it a try, maybe making that switch, Ghost also has incredible whey flavors. I'm just a huge fan of their vegan protein. I also am a huge and avid user of their fish oil and their pre-workout. So if you guys are interested in trying out any products from Ghost, you can use my discount code. Um, It's just Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L. So if you guys are interested in that, go ahead, give it a try. Make sure that you tag me on Instagram. And without further ado, let's get into this incredible episode. All right, everybody, I'm super excited because I have someone who I've actually been following for a very long time on Instagram. Um, She's had an incredible fitness journey from a volleyball player to stepping onto a national NPC stage, now focusing more on her holistic health and really honing in on that. Um, So I am super, super excited for her to share your journey with you guys today. So welcome, Miss Marie Wold. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to like get into everything. There's a lot more to the story. Okay, cool, cool. So um, first of all, Marie, I would love for you to just really tell the people um, who you are and really where your fitness journey began. For sure. Yeah. So my name is Marie Wold and I'm 23 years old. I currently live in Austin, Texas, but I grew up in uh, just outside of St. Paul, Minnesota. So I'm a total Midwestern girl, still not used to not having snow in the winter, but it's kind of a nice change of pace. Um, And as far as like my fitness and health journey goes, it's a long one and the road has been anything but smooth. Um, But essentially, I started having health problems when I was still in like preschool and kindergarten. So I was very young when I got um, the first signs of my first autoimmune disease called linear scleroderma. And so um, long story short there, I have dealt with like autoimmune disease and just chronic illness from a very young age. Um, So that, that comes to be important later on in the journey. But When I was in high school, I was a very um, disciplined, dedicated volleyball player. Like, it was my life. I was super passionate about it. I was super determined to play in college. Um, 
volleyball is huge in Minnesota and it's very competitive even on like the division three level. Um, so I was playing volleyball year round. I had so much heart for the game and I was a setter for anyone wondering. And so I got to, um, got the opportunity to play in college, which was really, really cool. I had so much fun with my team. Um, unfortunately I never really got a lot of game time except when you're like maybe away in tournaments or things like that. Um, just because there were other setters ahead of me. Um, and I was, uh, young, you know, so I was a freshman sophomore when I was still playing volleyball. Eventually I, um, eventually I decided that volleyball didn't have my heart anymore. And I had discovered this thing called bikini competitions um, a couple of years ago. So I went into college knowing about them, but dedicated to volleyball. Eventually, I just lost my passion for volleyball and just really wanted to try competing. And so I eventually, you know, I finished my season, I kept my promise to my teammates. And I'm the type of person that like really values sticking to your word and like being loyal and all of that. So I finished the season um, strong. And then pretty much immediately after I uh, quit playing, I guess, after my sophomore season, I jumped into full on like bodybuilder bikini competition mode. Now, bikini competitions were something that were really intriguing to me and really fascinating to me and something that I wanted to do because my, um, my first I guess experience with fitness was that it was just a way to lose weight. It was just a way to get smaller and smaller and smaller. It was a way to look like the girls that I saw on Tumblr, or the celebrities in the magazines or whatever, like Instagram wasn't quite, isn't, wasn't nearly what it is now back then. So um, I discovered some competitors on Instagram though. And I was like, wow, there are these girls who are gaining muscle on purpose and they're like fueling their bodies to perform. And I honestly didn't know that much about like competition diets or what a prep really entailed, um, except for that they ate a lot of like fish and asparagus. <laughs> that was really all I knew about like a diet for a bikini competitor. It was like, okay, they're like eating lots of protein and vegetables and they're fueling their bodies and they're gaining muscle. And so I went from the mindset of I need to be as skinny as possible to I want muscle, I want to be strong, blah, blah, blah. And so that was a step in the right direction for me. And I kind of shifted from being like a cardio bunny who literally hated running yet ran a 5k and trained abs every day and now you will not find me running ever or hardly ever training abs because I just like incorporate it into other things because I don't like it so I was forcing myself to do these things that I hated because I wanted to look a certain way um and so once I found bikini competitions I found that incredibly empowering to be able to you know build your body and mold it by gaining muscle instead of just shrinking smaller and smaller and smaller that was my initial draw to it. So I decided to pursue bikini competitions um, as like a previous athlete. I was very competitive. I was very much the all or nothing mentality of I want first place or what's the point sort of thing. And so I was very tunnel vision. I was very dedicated to it. Um, my coach said jump. I said how high. Like that was just the type of athlete that I was slash am like that personality trait is still there but um i was very tunnel vision about it and didn't really consider how it might impact my health especially considering i already had an autoimmune disease and my body was already in somewhat of a compromised state um so i pursued competing for about two years and didn't give myself nearly enough time off so by the end of my last prep um, you know, I had won Miss Bikini Minnesota. I had won overalls. I had placed top 15 on the national stage, like all these things, all these accomplishments. 
I was doing well at competing, but my body was shutting down. And with it, my mind was shutting down too. Like I just could not even think about going to the gym. I could not even think about tracking a macro. <laughs> I could not even think about doing the things that I had been doing for a couple of years now, just straight because of my tunnel vision. But I was so burnt out mentally and physically that I was like, okay, I need to st- take a step back. This is probably, uh, I'll probably come back to it, but like I need a break, whatever. And that was the end of my competing journey because basically as soon as I gave my body a break and stopped putting so much stress on it, it just totally freaked out and was like, okay, we're safe now. So we need to like gain all the weight. I had basically a post-show rebound, like a classic post-show rebound, except it wasn't really like I, it was out of my control in a large part. So I was, I mean, I was eating a little more. I was enjoying my life a little bit more going out to eat, things like that. But by no means was gaining like 20, 30 pounds in, you know, a few months was warranted. It was more so my body just trying to find balance again and freaking out because it had been driven into the ground for like two years straight. So that is my competing journey. Um, and it took me about a year to really get back to a balanced state after that, including I did some powerlifting. Um, I tried not working out. I tried working out more. I tried doing less cardio. I tried doing more cardio. I tried a bunch of different diets. And eventually with enough research and guidance and trial and error, I have refound my balance and gotten healthy and confident and feel great again. But it's been quite the ride, as you can tell. Hi, my friends. Just one quick thing. If you love this episode and you think that you've found a lot of value from it, I would love to make our army just a little bit stronger and bigger. So if you would do me a favor, I would love and appreciate it so much. If you went ahead, took a screenshot of this, shared it on your Instagram and tagged me and I'll 1000% repost it for you. The bigger our team is, the more people that we can serve. And ultimately, that is my goal. Yeah, and I'm really excited to talk a little bit more about it. For those people who don't necessarily know exactly what competing looks like, um, it's very, very yeah. Um, It's something that, you know, the judges are looking for you to be super lean, but have a good amount of muscle, but be full, but still be super lean and see your hamstring. Tight. Yeah. It's, it's a really hard sport because even, you know, I myself being an ex-competitor um, have dealt with it as well. And fortunately, um, I worked with a coach to have like a very successful off season and took mm-hmm. the right amount of time, which was very hard mentally because like you're in that state where you're like, go, go, go. Um, so for you, Maria, as far as it goes with like you competing for those two years and um, kind of going back to back, like for you in terms of your body, what kind of repercussions did you notice from that? Yeah. So just from prep in general, some common things that women experience are things like losing their period. So amenorrhea. um, And that's simply because your body doesn't feel safe. Like it doesn't feel like it's in a good position to create a human or anything like that. Um, There's too much stress going on. You don't have enough body fat. So I definitely lost my period. There There was like a three year time span where I wasn't getting my period more than like every few months. Um, And that was like through volleyball and competing Um, because, again, I was a college athlete, so I was super active then too. And then um, other things were like I was very irritable and moody because when you are not feeding yourself enough, like you have mood swings, you don't feel good. Um, I had brain fog. Again, wasn't feeding myself enough. I was tired all the time because, again, not enough fuel, not enough recovery. 
Um, I like my social life really suffered because I had to be perfect on my plan. Like I had to hit all my macros. I had to get all my cardio in. I had to practice posing. So I was spending hours a day in the gym. Um, I was spending, you know, hours every week prepping my food, calculating my macros, everything like that. And it's just a very regimented extreme lifestyle in the sense where your margin for error is very, very small. And so that becomes priority number one. Like you have to build everything else in your life around your prep if you want to be competitive at a high level. If you're just doing it for fun, then maybe not the same thing. Um, but if you if you just want to do fitness for fun, I also wouldn't necessarily recommend competing. So um, that that's like during prep. I was cold all the time. Again, like I go back and watch my YouTube videos from that time and I talked so slowly. Like I feel like my brain was just moving half as fast as it does now. I hardly had energy. I had no sex drive. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't myself. And so that's common for competitors to experience during prep. And then as far as after prep, um, my period didn't come back. I remember being, you know, maybe like three or four months deep in off season, had put a, a realistic, like not terrible um, amount of body fat per, um, back on. You are supposed to gain some fat back because it's not um, healthy to like maintain a super lean physique. So I had been gaining body fat back. I was eating more. I was relaxing more. And yet I still didn't have my period back. Um, and that was honestly the biggest symptom that I was having between preps. But by the time I got through my last prep, which was actually not even for a competition, it was for a spokesmodel search. Um, I had felt the mental burnout coming up even before I started the spokesmodel search prep, but it was what I thought was a really good opportunity for my career and just my um, like growing my audience and stuff like that. So I pushed through, but by the end of that, I was so mentally burned out that there was now a large margin for error because of the lifestyle that I like couldn't live. I couldn't track my macros. I couldn't make myself go to the gym six days a week. I couldn't make myself do cardio every day. And so because I was losing um, my tight grip on everything, my body, I gave my body an inch and it took a mile. Like my body gained so much fat. I was super inflamed. Like even my face was so puffy. Um, I just, everything looked really watery. Like, yes, I gained fat, but everything was just really like watery. And I got like really bad cellulite, which was never a problem for me in the past. I had super bad brain fog still. I was like, okay, I'm eating more, but I still have terrible brain fog. What's going on? I was exhausted all the time. Um, and basically what happened was my body was just so out of whack and my hormones had been so repressed and downregulated that the things that my body was trying to do to regain homeostasis and like find its equilibrium again, um, it just was, it had no idea what to do. Like my body was shocked. It was going from one extreme to the other. It had no idea. And so I gave it a couple months, I guess a few months. I went through probably half of 2017 feeling terrible and not knowing why, just assuming that I needed more rest, um, just needed more time. And eventually I wasn't getting better. Like I was sleeping nine hours a night and would still need a nap in the middle of the day. I was having mood swings. I felt depressed, still not feeling myself, even though all the reasons why I didn't feel like myself before were supposedly gone, like not eating enough, working out too much, all like 
the stresses of prep, all those things were gone, but I still felt terrible. So I was like, okay, something's going on. And long story short, I got diagnosed with a second autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And my doctor and then the um, nutritionist and the coach that I work with now all kind of are in agreement that maybe I did have a predisposition to get my get Hashimoto's but basically the stress that I'd put my body through for the years that I competed and even before that as an athlete that stress was definitely like the trigger that really brought it to light and um, what really like put my body under attack basically and so I really just didn't treat my body well I was not nice to it I figured that whatever I put it through it could bounce back from and that everything I did was just temporary and I see a lot of competitors say like, yeah, it's not healthy. I know it's not healthy, but it's temporary. And I hope that for them it's temporary, but for a lot of people, the repercussions aren't temporary. And I mean, maybe they are in the sense that you can um, like reverse things within years, but for a lot of people, the repercussions from competing are very long lasting. And now there are more and more competitors coming out talking about um, just the way that their bodies have fared or not fared through their competition career, even like very high level competitors, like for example, Courtney King, who won um, Miss Olympia like maybe three years ago. And she was, you know, at the top of the game. That's like the Super Bowl for competing. And she won. And then the following year, she couldn't compete at all because her body was shutting down. Like there is just such a high level of stress. Um, even though it's a choice, even though you know that you're not going to die, your body doesn't perceive it that way. Like your body perceives it as you're starving, you're running it into the ground through activity, like you're just super stressed and it's not a environment where your body can thrive and feel safe for the vast majority of people. There's a small, um, there's a small percentage of women I think that can compete and can recover really well from it and, you know, have longevity in the sport. But for the vast majority of us, it's not a sustainable thing to do year after year. Yeah. And um, I think that's just a lot of what plays into the game with like social media and what a lot of people are seeing nowadays as well. I know for me, that was one of the reasons why I was so gung-ho to compete. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like being that I was 18 too, and very just like vulnerable to everything. Um, it was just like, for me, oh, like I can grow my audience. I'll have YouTube content. Like more people will think I'm into fitness, but I mean, I don't regret it because I learned so much about my body. Yeah. Yeah. And nutrition and training in general. Um, but I mean, I always look back at it now and I'm like, I was striving for what, you know? And I think as a competitor, I have nothing against anybody who wants to compete, but you have to just really sit down and be like, how in five years is this year of competing going to benefit my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether or not you want to do it. Um, and especially for, you know, if you look at the repercussions and everything. And um, I kind of wanted to go back and touch on everything with Hashimoto's for you. Um, as far as it goes with like taking the step to finally reach out to somebody, because I'm sure, like you said, you, you weren't feeling normal. Um, and that's day to day to just be like, what the heck do I even do about this? Um, so what was like the breaking point for you where you're like, no, like I need to go and see somebody about this? Yeah. um, I think the breaking point for me was realizing how much it was affecting other people, like not even me, because I can, I mean, I work for myself. So I was like, okay, I can, you know, plan my work around when I'm able to have energy versus when I'm not. I can 
like I can make it work, but the way it was affecting other people, I couldn't accept and I couldn't work around. Like, sorry, for example, I had no sex drive and I'm in a long-term relationship. Like I have a boyfriend. So to have no sex drive, um, obviously that's not good for your relationship to have chronic or not chronic, but, um, like daily mood swings, that's not going to be good to maintain any sort of relationships, whether that's with your significant other, your parents, um, your friends. I was very depressed and just like kind of withdrawn. So I stopped reaching out to my friends. I stopped replying to text messages. I stopped showing up on social media, which is like part of my job. Um, And basically just seeing how it affected other people and things outside of myself is what finally gave me the, um, like the kick in the ass that I needed to address it. And that sounds terrible because it's like, okay, I should want to address it for myself and for my own health. But at that point, I think it was maybe coming from a place of ego, similar to how my decision to compete kind of came from a decision of ego, my decision to try to ride it out and figure it out by myself. Um, I wanted to be able to say that like I fixed myself or I, you know, figured it out on my own. Um, And that's just kind of the type of person I am. Like I really pride myself in being resourceful and just everything is figure outable type of mentality. And so ego really got in the way of me reaching out, you know, on my own behalf. But eventually I did it because I noticed how much it was affecting the people and the things that I cared about outside of myself. And even like I love riding horses. And so I would get back from the barn after a ride. And it is physically demanding, but I would be like, totally exhausted like out for the count for the rest of the day or down for the count whatever the saying is I'd be like out of it for the rest of the day because I my body could not recover my body could not handle any sort of stress and that was really the tipping point of like okay I need to get help I need to talk to someone but with my experience with my previous autoimmune disease I also knew that just going to any doctor probably wouldn't get me the answers that I was looking for um, it took my family years to get a correct diagnosis on my first autoimmune disease as misdiagnosed. I was given incorrect treatments, um, like laser surgery, things like that, um, for, you know, the wrong diagnosis, diagnoses for years. And so I knew that just going to any doctor probably wouldn't yield me the results that I was looking for. And eventually through enough research, I found a doctor in Los Angeles where, where I was living and he specializes in Um, hormonal health and anti-aging. So I was like, okay, that's probably someone that's going to be a little bit more open-minded. It turns out he was. He ran all the correct tests for someone that needs to get diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and I was diagnosed. And so I think it's really important to not um, not only seek help, but also seek help from the right person because you can get a lot of wrong answers if you're looking for the answers in the wrong place. And I know for you, it was a little bit of a struggle too, especially with, I think, just Eastern and cultural like medicine. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is just like, oh, you have this. And it's like, no, I actually probably don't because if I did, you would be able to do something about it. Um, right. So if you don't mind explaining too, um, this is probably something that's going to benefit the audience, but what exactly is Hashimoto's? Yeah. So Hashimoto's or Hashimoto's thyroiditis is the official name. It's an autoimmune disease where essentially your body is misidentifying your thyroid tissue and attacking your thyroid. So your thyroid is one of the most important organs in your body in terms of what it affects. Like it affects your energy. It affects 
basically all of your other hormones, it affects, um, you know, people with like hypothyroidism will experience hair loss, they'll experience lack of energy, they will experience weight gain. Like it just affects so many different systems in your body. Um, so to have your body attacking your own thyroid, it just like wrecks havoc on your health, your quality of life, all of those things. And um, with having a previous autoimmune disease made me more susceptible to having another. Like once you have one, it's easier to acquire another. Um, and all I really needed was that trigger of um, like having chronic stress through competing and dieting and training. And that was enough of a trigger to then, you know, start attacking my thyroid. And the typical course of treatment for Hashimoto's is simply to put the patient on thyroid medication. Um, some doctors will put you on synthetic. Some will put you on like a, um, a desiccated thyroid, which is like a natural medication um, derived from like, I think the most common one is porcine thyroid, which is, you know, from pork. They literally extract the thyroid hormones from pork. And then that's like the, that's the medication. And so the, the most common treatment path is you just simply go on thyroid medication play around with the dose until you feel good and your levels are in the right place. Um, and the problem with that is if you're not making lifestyle changes along with it, your thyroid just continues to be under attack. Like the antibodies are still present um, over the long term. And over time, you'll probably need more and more medication until eventually your thyroid just burns out. And so that's like the Western medicine approach is like, oh, just add more medication until your thyroid burns out and then your, your levels will be consistent because, um, yeah, that's it. And so it's like, it's a tribute or it's likened to the concept of if a bucket is full of holes, like Western medicine wants to just pour more water in the bucket <laughs> to match the rate that it's losing water instead of like plugging the holes and fixing the problem. And so that was my initial diagnosis. That was my initial treatment plan, even though my doctor was more open-minded than most Western medicine doctors, um, I still didn't find answers. And I've made a lot of lifestyle changes from there that we can talk about. But um, it was it was just really discouraging to like, once again, get diagnosed with something and then not have answers as to how to actually feel better other than please take this medicine. Like, here's the bandaid for your bullet wound. Right. So for you, was it like a process of you doing your own kind of research? Like, what steps did you take? I'm sure you felt pretty lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember the first day I came home and I was like kind of relieved because I finally had answers for why I was feeling so bad. I was like, okay, I finally have a direction in which I can go and like figure out what's going on. And then the more I researched it, the more, oh, sorry. <laughs> the more I researched it, the more I realized that this is a more complex thing than I initially thought. And so I like had started joining um, Hashimoto's Facebook groups and like reading articles on the internet. And seriously, one of the biggest mistakes you can ever make when you're <laughs> diagnosed with a disease is to join the Facebook group for that disease because number one, there will be a bunch of people that are like way worse off than you, like extreme examples of worst case scenarios. There will be people who are like almost religious about their approach and how you need to do the same thing or else you're going to die. And like it's a lot of just a lot of people that are really fearful and really extreme. Um, and so that started me into this like downward spiral for probably a week. I was like, I'm, am I going to die? Like, is my life over? <laughs> All of these things. And um, so my first plan of action was just like gather as much information as I could. Uh, and 
I don't know that that's always the best course of action just because with the internet, like anyone can put anything out there. But eventually I found um, a few books that I found really helpful. Uh, one of them is The Root Cause by Dr. Isabella Wentz and her website is The Thyroid Pharmacist, I believe. And she has a bunch of really good articles that are like um, a little like very science-based and straightforward about Hashimoto's, but there was still so much information that I was like, even as someone that knows the human body, even as someone who um, is decently well-versed in like health and the health sciences, I need help. <laughs> and I just felt so overwhelmed by all the information I was getting. So I eventually hired a clinical nutritionist who knew a lot about autoimmune disease and kind of specialized in Hashimoto's and hiring him was like my first big step toward feeling better. Like he, within a few weeks of working with him, I'd say I felt like 50 to 60% better and really had gotten a lot of my quality of life back. And there, honestly, it was like pretty simple stuff. He had me on supplements and things like that, that I wouldn't have been able to figure out, but just having someone, um, give me like clear directions of what to do and having someone tell me what the right path was, was the biggest relief ever. And to this day, I'm still such a huge proponent that anyone with goals um, has a coach or someone to report to and someone to kind of like boss them around because you never know the most. Like there's always someone that knows more than you. And especially with a health issue, that's like really terrifying and one wrong move could mess you up. Having someone that knows more than you is absolutely crucial, um, especially if, you know, your doctor is not really going to be in your corner the way you want them to be. Yeah, and even just having the accountability factor, too, because once you repair everything that you've been trying to sometimes to slip back into old habits. Oh, yeah. Having that accountability makes such a huge difference. Um, mm -hmm. As far as I think the lifestyle changes that you made, I know obviously you and your nutritionist were working together towards finding like a good balance with everything, but what kind of changes did you have to make outside of just your nutrition? Yeah, so along with changing my nutrition, which by the way, one of the biggest changes you can make nutritionally to help with Hashimoto's is to eliminate gluten, and that's due to something called molecular mimicry, where um, the molecular structure of gluten looks very, very similar to the molecular structure of thyroid tissue. So if you have any sort of gluten sensitivity, um, which is pretty common actually, especially with people in, with autoimmune disease, if you have any degree of gluten sensitivity, then that will usually trigger more antibodies to um, side note for like nutrition. That was one of the biggest things that I changed um, along with just like cutting out processed foods, eating low sugar, um, just eating very quote unquote clean and like whole unprocessed diet, kind of, kind of paleo-ish, but not, um, not quite that strict. Anyway, so other than diet, some huge things that were very, very helpful for me and would be helpful for anyone with hormonal imbalances or just, um, you know, if your body is not feeling right, chronic inflammation, anything like that, one of the biggest things you can do is work on stress management. Um, like I said, I'm a very uh, competitive, like overachiever type person. And so I'm very high stress just like in general and um, expect a lot of myself. So I was putting myself under chronic stress even after I was done competing. Um, and so when I was diagnosed and started working with my coach at the time, I had to take a hard look at like what I was putting my body through and turns out I was stressing myself out like every single day. So I had to learn how to slow down. I had to learn how to take a break. I had to learn how to 
rest, like physically rest and take time off from the gym. I learned how to meditate. I learned how to journal. I learned how to, um, I got like coloring books, you know, I just did whatever I could to unwind, relax and like cool my, um, like my adrenals, my nervous system, everything like that was running on, you know, level a hundred. Like everything was just running at the highest level all the time because I was always stressed. And if you're, if your body's in a compromised state, that's only going to make things worse. So stress management was huge. And then also as a former athlete and competitor, I also had to learn how to work out less, which was really hard. It's like, what do you mean? I can't work out like six days a week. I mean, when I played volleyball, we would have like eight, nine hours a day of practice during preseason. Like I was just used to being very active, doing the most. And, um, I had to really learn how to take a step back. So my initial, um, workouts after that were like circuits for, you know, like 30, 40 minutes, nothing heavy, like slightly elevated heart rate, but like not, not anything crazy. And that was three days a week. And then the other days I would just walk or do yoga and like not even hot yoga, you know, like gentle yoga. And I was like, what is this? I don't know how to be gentle. I don't know how to work from a place of like, um, promoting health. Like I only knew how to work from a place of wanting to be better performance wise or wanting to be better physically. And so it was a journey of valuing my health above everything else. Like I had honestly never done that before, which sounds terrible, but I had never put my health first. I had always put either my uh, sports first, my appearance first, my ego first, whatever it might be. And so it was just a really pro- a it was really a process of putting my health first and learning to slow down. Um, I'm again, I like stopped doing cardio. I just walked and did yoga and did some like light circuits and stuff like that. And I kind of went a little crazy at first, but once I started feeling better and, um, just like getting my life back, I really bought into the process and now it's like the best thing I ever did. I know how hard that can be mentally, um, especially yeah. people, like coming from a, a really like, and I don't think people on Instagram or just social media in general really notice it, but like the bodybuilding industry is just so extremely small. Like it is actually so intimate and I think mm-hmm. people don't really realize that. And so we're always in that headspace of like, well, this person's working out six days a week and, you know, doing this, that, and the third. Um, and it's so, so easy to fall into that. Um, and not really look at like the other aspects of things. And I know obviously you're a coach, Marie. So just yeah. based on that really quickly, like how did that affect like your interaction with clients and like the people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I learned so much about coaching and just how I wanted to show up for my clients during this time because I had started coaching back when I was still in college. Um, And I was still a competitor back then. And I had just the most extreme relationship with fitness. And because I was in this fitness industry, bodybuilding industry bubble, I thought that, you know, like everyone was super disciplined. Everyone just would do whatever it took, no matter the cost. Like, you know, when you're just in this echo chamber of competitors and like I went to a super hardcore gym where everyone competed, like those are the only people I was associating with other than my classmates at school. Um, so I was like, okay, everyone wants this. Like everyone, if you don't do this, then like what's wrong with you kind of thing. Like I had a very weird mindset about it. 
Um, so when I was working with clients, I would expect them to be perfect. Like if they weren't perfect the way I was perfect and like followed my coach's plans, then I was like, oh, you just like don't want it bad enough. You're not motivated enough. You like just need to be more disciplined, like suck it up. <laughs> and I didn't say that to them, obviously. Like I was so kind and like to my clients, I was still a nice person at least on the outside, but it was always coming from a place of like, why can't you do this? Like, this should be easy if you want it bad enough sort of thing, because that's the way I was treating myself. Um, and so through this journey, I found that you can't give other people compassion and grace where you aren't able to give it to yourself. Um, so now that I've been through all of this this healing journey for myself, both internally and externally, I have become a million times better at coaching. Thankfully, um, my clients back then, like I never put them on super extreme plans or like treated them like competitors, but it was more so the mentality of like, why didn't you hit your macros seven days this week? Like we need perfection sort of thing. Um, and God bless them. They all were like very gracious and no one had any sort of long-term consequences or anything. And I, I don't want to make it sound like I was um, like forcing them to live like competitors or anything. But internally, I was like, you just don't want it bad enough, that sort of thing. Um, does that, yeah. what? I used to have the exact same mindset when it came to my clients and after competing and focusing on my own like gut health and focusing a little bit more on holistic health, I've noticed yeah. I've been way more like empathetic towards like, them being really stressed and like I have a lot of students so like them not hitting macros you know every single day of the week right yeah and now I'm known as the coach who like lets people um you know be imperfect and live their lives and like do what works for them and um like oh you're you can't go to the gym six days a week instead of being like well you know you'll make time I'm like okay well let's have you work out from home three days a week you know what I mean like I I'm now known as the coach that helps people figure out a balanced lifestyle and do things from a place of self-love and figure out like a motivation from, you know, internal, not just what they look like. And so basically my approach to coaching and my approach to just fitness in general has literally done a 180. And so the the past couple years, like trying to heal from all of the mental and physical stress and just like shit that I put myself through. Sorry, I don't know if we can swear, but everything I put myself through um, the past like two years or so, I'm really grateful for it because it has allowed me to be a way better coach, be a way better mentor to the people that work with me, be a better role model for the people that follow me. And I'm just so much more proud of like the message that I'm spreading and teaching now than I ever was then. Um, because back then, like people would tell me that I'm inspiring, but really it ended at like, wow, you work so hard. Wow, you have great abs. Wow, like great butt workout. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was very surface level. It was not stuff that was about who I am as a person necessarily, other than like my work ethic. Um, and now it's about like, wow, you've changed the way I see myself. You've changed how I look at food. You've changed my relationships because I'm not afraid to show up authentically anymore. Like it's way deeper than what it used to be. And so I'm really grateful for having to go through everything that I have, even though it's been like a huge struggle. It's taught me a ton about myself and also just really allowed me to help other people in the way that makes a big difference instead of just like, here's how to grow your butt, which no shade to anyone that just like, you know, teaches workouts and stuff like that. But I knew that I was 
here for something bigger. That's awesome, girl. Well, I would love for everyone to be able to continue to follow you and, you know, see the rest of where your journey is going and everything. So if you don't mind um, sharing any form of social media that you have, I know you're on the podcast, you know, you Instagram, share it with people. Yeah. Yeah. So my podcast is called the grind and be grateful podcast. And the premise is with hard work and the right, right mindset. Absolutely. Anything is possible. Grind and be grateful is like my trademarked little mantra. Um, that's in everything that I do. So that's my podcast. And we talk about things like holistic wellness. We talk about personal development, um, some entrepreneurship stuff, relationships, um, confidence, things like that. Like everything that I'm super passionate about now. And that's probably my, the piece of my business that I'm most proud of just because it's really like a passion project for me. And then you can also find me on Instagram. That's where like I have the most people and show up the most often. And my Instagram is Marie E. Wold. On YouTube, if you just search Marie Wold, you'll find me there. And I have Twitter, which is Marie E. Wold, but I never use it anymore because I deleted it off my phone because it was bad for my mental health. <laughs> Awesome, girl. Well, I'll make sure that I put all of those links down in the description, but thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, thank you for having me.